This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> Welcome to an episode of P2 Podcast Blues, where you get your George Harrison. Now, you only have me today, but you've got a better guest. So, we are here to talk with Owen Lang about his book, Harrison in the 70s. How's it going, Owen? Going mighty fine. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime. Um, how's yeah. the uh, how's the weather over there? Actually, it's strangely warm. I'm I'm looking outside at this at this Pacific Ocean blue sky, and I'm wondering why I'm inside. Fair enough. You could be out in like an inner tube zooming in, but. That's, so owen has written a book from oh man i can't think of the publisher um but um from sonic yes yes that um about george harrison's 70s career so what gave you the opportunity to write this book that's an excellent question, Hudson. Uh, the reason I went with this was in 2019, I contacted Sonic Bond and pitched a book on U2, the band, and they accepted it. I was living in Dublin at the time, and I'm Irish, and they were looking for music writers, and why shouldn't a guy living in, an Irish guy living in Dublin write about Ireland's greatest rock band? So that was... So that came out in 2020, and as we know, by that point we were well into the into the brink of pandemic. And knowing that I was I had nothing but time on my hands, I thought I should write a follow up book. And at that point, Sonic Bond had started the Decade series, which was focusing on one artist or a band, so like a Pink Floyd or a Genesis. And I asked I asked Stephen Lamb would 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 there be an appetite for a George Harrison book? And he said, yeah. So that's where it is. Uh, I didn't want to write a one on Paul because Adrian Sinclair and Alan Cozen are cornering that market. Uh, there's so many books on John. And I don't, I think I, while there have been books written about George, they're not, it's not quite, it's not, I think there's an, a bigger market for George Harrison books. Uh, the only one who has been sorely underserved is Ringo. Yes, we're waiting for Walmack to drop that bomb on us. Your audio dropped out. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can't hear, I can't hear you, I'm sorry. What about now? This meeting is being recorded. So, so yes, so yeah, uh, I think I think there was an appetite for George Harrison. There's been there's a few books, and there's that wonderful Martin Scorsese documentary. But I feel like there could be more said about George. I would agree. Like, um, there's just, yeah. I would have, I would love to see Danny publish something on George eventually. 
I mean, it's funny because Danny and Olivia rarely give interviews. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I suppose uh, we just have to wait and see, see if they would. It's really up to them. Uh, I know she was heavily involved in the Martin Scorsese uh, movie and book. So, I mean, she, she her voice was heard there. Yeah. Um, but now going to my first question, what is your favorite George Harrison album, Owen? Good question. So, I mean, if if we're going favorite, it's extra texture, but Ooh. but the best is living is all things must pass. Can I ask why extra texture? I I just think the the musicianship is very good. It's uh, 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 I think you might be his finest hour. Um, I think it's just one hell of an opener. The way that the saxophone leads way to the to the guitars, and then we have we have something as rich as this guitar can't keep from crying, and we have what's possibly his finest vocal on the answers and the at the end. So oh, I mean, it's I a, agree. It's, yeah. Um, um, so he yeah. It also ends with this really wonderful comedy number. Uh, his name's Legs, which is his way of getting, which is his portal into the world of Python. So it's it's kind of it's kind of George Harrison with a capital H. Yeah, um, I would agree with you, and I do have to say, reading the book, I really agree with what you have to say about. I would have you anytime. Um, like, it's just such a perfect like song to me. <laughs> Like, are you a Dil- fan of the Dylan version or the George version more? Uh, probably the George mer- version. Yeah, Dylan's is a little. As much as I love Dylan, it's a little Dylan-esque, too Dylan-y for me. Okay. Maybe we should just have you like do a voice, have a voice acting gig. <laughs> That's what Martin Quibble said when I appeared on his Godfather show. <laughs> yeah, um, I would agree with you. Um, now, I have to ask, like, that is really bold of you to say that Extra Texture is your favorite George album. With the amount of Beatle podcasts you have appeared on, do you want to give a shout out for who's ridiculed you the most for that opinion? Has anyone ridiculed me? Um, if they have, that's their that's their business. Uh, I appeared with Ken Michaels, and I mean, I mean, he had a countering view, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's there's no there's no sort of objective truth when it comes to art. Yeah, I'm just being a pain because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I mean, uh, I'm. I, I mean, I, I said I told him that Mind Games is my least favorite of the solo albums, and he says it's his favorite John Lennon solo album, and that's wonderful. Wow, I didn't see that yeah. one coming from you. Yeah, I, I think I think barring the incredible title track, I, I think there's a lot of filler and a lot of empty space and Fair a enough. lot of music. Yeah. Now, um. How do you feel about um, living in the material world as a whole? 
I think it's excellent as long as you don't see it as all things must pass mark two, which I think is what audiences expected at the time, and it isn't. It's a, it's something completely different. They're not they're they're two wholly different albums. All things must pass is bombastic and opulent and living in the material world barring the title track and try some buy some which was recorded in 1971 is fairly low-key and lo-fi and it's much it's much more it's much it's centered around the lyrical content as opposed to the to the instrumentation yeah now if eric clapton wasn't around do you think patty would have stayed married to george Oh, that's a tricky question. Um, I George George said that their marriage was ending either way, so I I, I I might go with that side that point of view. I think I I I think there was just too much going on with a uh, too many conflicting ideas. She pointed out that his cocaine habit caused a caused a rift in their relationship. Uh, he what I mean he, he had a number of girlfriends. I, I, I think they, as he as he says, their marriage, their, Clapton didn't end their marriage. It just made him a bit easier to accept that the marriage ended. Yeah, they, they shared the same wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. No, I, I think it's not really any of my business. But can I see them? Would would they have lasted? No, I, I don't think so. I think I think there were too many differences. Yeah, and now I want to talk about because you call the concert for Bangladesh, the first Live Aid. And you're the first person to do this. Thank God. Am I? I think Gosh. so. I mean, for somebody to finally say that, like, finally, like, I mean, it really yeah. was. And our friend Cozen was actually there, that lucky man. And it's just, I mean, oh no. Are you still there? I am, yeah. Okay. You sounded like you had a stroke, so. That's good. You oh. sounded like he had a stroke? You did. Like, oh, God, I didn't know. No, I'm too young for that. I'm yeah. only 28. <laughs> You've done a lot for only being 28, I will say. Well, thank you. You haven't done too badly for a guy of your age. Uh, thank you. I get wiser as I get older. Ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah, no, I'm... Um, I suppose the first Live Aid was my way of making it a bit more modern and a bit more, uh, just a bit more in keeping with modern sensibilities, because I think Live Aid has become sort of the go-to terminology, and rightly so, because it was so massive and it was so encompassing and it got the royal family involved and it was just, and it spanned across two, two countries, uh, two continents, actually. But yeah. Bangladesh... Set the ball rolling, which even which Geldof and and even Paul McCartney was were happy to to point out. Yeah, and I mean, I would like if the the Beatles that would have been the first time that the Beatles could have reunited, and I really, and it was a really missed opportunity. I think. Yeah, I think there was a lot of bad feeling at the time. Yeah. Um, I think there was too much bad feeling. I, I don't think George and Paul could have put their differences aside. It's a shame that John couldn't make it, whether it was because he couldn't be bothered or whether it was because Yoko wasn't invited. Uh, it is it is a shame, but as as has been pointed out, it was a miserable time 
They were uh, Ringo was on speaking terms with everyone, but there was a lot of differences amongst the three other the three guitar players. So yeah, it's a massive shame, but it unfortunately it was what it was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. What do you like? I now you mentioned this that um I love the jingle jang ring of wah wah. Um. Yeah. Do you prefer the live or the studio better? Uh, they're different animals. Uh, I might give a slight point. I will give my point to the live version on the concert for Bangladesh because I think it has that bit of extra balls and grit that I think was might have been lost in the studio. But that's no that's not a criticism on the studio version because it makes up with you know these vibratos, uh, brass and great this stirring production and there's great drama and opulence but it's like most rockers that are so guitar heavy they just sound that bit better on stage yeah and i i love the quote um, from mike gibbons um, um if it was all right when harrison asked drummer mike gibbons to if it was all right to play it on a smaller set he replied i'm only here for the beer i love that I, well that just shows you know the the humility. I mean, that's why I don't think Paul and John might have fit in because there's no way John Lennon's just going to play a smaller set. Or, or I mean, every everyone everyone was piling back. Everyone was holding back. Everyone was doing it for the for the event. I mean, uh, uh, George could have sung more songs. He didn't. He's happy to play lead guitar in Bob Dylan's work. He's happy to play lead guitar for Ringo. They're they're all there's this great band ensemble that that that's there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and with, like, what do you think of Ringo for getting the words of "It Don't Come Easy" on that show? Like, do you think That's that was? Okay. Do you think it was just nerves, or uh, probably I would say it was just nerves. Let's let's not forget he he only he didn't sing that much in public, and that would have been his first time since nineteen sixty six singing in public. I think. Good point. I could I could be wrong about that, but he, he didn't sing that much live on stage with the Beatles. It was one song, and then one song he gets the microphone for, and then he's back to drumming. So I mean, I think it's forgivable. I don't think it's anything more untoward than that. And people forget lyrics all the time. People go on about Freddie Mercury uh, when he's when he's singing when, when, during Live Aid. I mean, he he forgets some of the words for Radio Gaga and Hammer to Fall, and and people still say it's an amazing performance. Yes. Now, speaking of Freddie Mercury, you did have a very good interview with one of his, let's say, bandmates, Brian May. Well, thank you. Yes. Now, yeah, the fact that you've gotten to that status is just so cool. It's like, maybe there's an EO, an Owen Ling fan club out there. I doubt it. And if there is, they should put a stamp on an elephant. For yeah. for listeners, that's not in the book. That's an interview I did for Far Out magazine. It's a but uh, uh I, we did mention the Beatles and Brian May talked about how he performed with George Harrison at a water rats gig in the late eighties. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Oh. Now you say something about the Dark Horse album. Because you think that it's a um, like a groove in between material world and extra texture, which I've never thought of it that way. Like, I oh, that's good. 
I will say Dark Horse is probably my least of Harrison's catalog, just considering the vocals. I I do love Harry's on tour and Ding Dong Ding Dong though. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think the guitars, it's a real guitar album. I think I think that's what it has going for it. And he was first first and foremost, above all things, George Harrison was a guitar player and a very, very good one. Eric Clapton said Eric Clapton said he was one of the best guitar players in the world. I mean, he was in the Beatles, so he had to be. I, mean, <laughs> I know. But there's a lot of nonsense. I mean, people say Ringo couldn't play drums or or that uh, Paul was or that Quincy Jones said that Paul was one of the worst ba- bass players. And and people recently have started to attack George Harrison saying, oh, he wasn't much of a lead guitar player, that Paul played most of the guitar solos. George could play, could finger pick in a way that, jo- that Paul never could. I mean, Paul could never have played that arpeggio for And I Love Her. And Paul could never have done say, the, the, the counter-melody on A Hard Day's Night. Uh, so it was a different style of guitar playing. Right. Um, now, what do you think of the video for Ding Dong Ding Dong? It's fine. It's a bit silly. It's a... Uh, uh, yeah, it, it also it also helps dispel rumours that, oh, oh, George hated the Beatles. It's because he's wearing his Sgt. Pepper outfit. Yeah, and he's looking kind of Beatlesque. So I think he was just making—he was just making fun of the Beatles because he thought it was all just very silly that everyone was taking it too seriously. They were only a rock band. Yeah, I mean seriously, like people sometimes. And now, um, do you think that um, if his voice is healed, do you think it would have been a better album? That's a very good question. Um, I can't remember who said it, but one of the guys, its I have him in the book, but I can't remember off the top of my head. It might have been Andy Newmark, but don't quote me on that. Uh, but one of, the peop- one of the musicians working on the album said it, he didn't think it was, on, it was up to the standard of all things must pass or living in the material world. So I suspect even, even if he did, even if his vocals were better i don't think they would have matched i don't think the the reception would have matched that of the first two albums i i don't think the album is a masterpiece in any way but i do think it's much better than people give it credit for i think i think people seem i don't think it's the nadir of george's career i find it much more interesting than than the corporate rock of cloud nine do you not like cloud nine it's not that I don't like it. It's just not a George Harrison album. It's he's jumping on the on the bandwagon. He wants to. He he he's got Gary Moore. He's got Jeff Lynne. He wants to have this big '80s monster rock album, and he didn't. It never seemed to interest him. So there's something soulless about it, and this is a guy who's all about soul. Fair enough. <laughs> you you make things very visible. Like, well, thank you. Um, yeah, you're a realist when it comes to the Beatles. Well, thank you. Well, yeah, I I wrote another piece for Far Out ranking the George albums, and I put Cloud Nine last, and people were like, "How could you?" Most people put that as like their number one or two. I know. Yeah, I don't get it. I really don't. There's some of the stuff on that album is just awful. Devil's Radio. 
I feel like getting sick when I hear that song. Oh, wow. I love yeah. Devils. I love Devils Radio. I I think that's so fun. But fair enough. I know. I, I say I make these comments and sometimes people are like, okay, okay. Another uh, man's I mean, trash is another man's treasure. Very true. I mean, but then again, I listened to something about the Beatles and... And, you know, people and, you know, I heard an episode where one of the guys was saying that Ram wasn't a very good album or that, you know, it was described it as fluff. And I'm like, it's McCartney's best. So I, clearly we're listening to two two very different albums, but that's OK. Yeah, like with Ram, like I can see why people don't like it. But really, okay. but it is my favorite Paul album. Like there is like. It's just like with the time period. Like, I think a lot of people don't like what happened. But I still think it's his best album. Besides Flaming Pie. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I think the reason a lot of people turn to Flaming Pie is because he's singing from the heart. You know, he's losing Linda and we've got Calico Skies and Little Willow and... And he's also, you know, reflecting on being a father. So we've got young boy. So I think I think that's what probably the reason why it meant so much to a lot of people who don't like a lot of McCartney's. I think in the Norman Sounds book, or Norman Sunez, or however you say his name, in his really disgusting book on McCartney, I mean, he 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 seemed to single Flaming Pie out as a very good album. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a good album. Howard Sooners, not not Norman Sooners, yeah. but the, the the book it's called Fab. Um, yeah, it's a it's a weird one because the the guy writing it clearly has no time for McCartney, and it's like why why bother writing the book? Oh, I know, money. Yeah, it drives me crazy when people do that. Like they write for money. Like, yeah, I don't. I'm lucky. I'm lucky in that I genuinely admire all four Beatles, although I do think John Lennon's career post once he moved to America or even before, even with Imagine dried up a bit. There's some, you gotta admit there is some good stuff. Yeah, of course there's some good stuff. I mean, I, I, I might even go as far to say as uh, Instant Karma might be the greatest single of all of them. Oh, hands down. Probably, yeah. Um, I mean, at least in the 70s. Yeah, I mean it's 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 top three anyway for sure. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm the one that likes a lot of Paul's later stuff better than what he did in the '80s. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people do. A lot of well, I think it's because uh, in the '80s I was trying to be Michael Jackson, and I'm just not. Like, oh my god, like I love Tug of War. I love McCartney too, but beyond that. Up until flowers in the dirt, no, thank you. Yeah, um, I can see that. I think there's a lot on pipes of peace, and I love footprints. I think that's a superb song on the Press to Play album. But I think he was trying to be young and hip, and forgetting that this was a guy in his early to mid forties. And I think it took him; it just took him a bit longer to realize he wasn't the young, you know, red blooded stud. Yeah, I mean, I guess he thinks he's that now. I mean, did you see that picture of him smoking weed? 
I think that's him doing it privately. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't think I, I don't think I think that I think that's whoever took that that's an invasion of his private life. I really don't think that was very. That's. I agree. I mean, uh, he's eighty. Like he's almost eighty. Like just, and he's a beetle. Like just let the man live. Like God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit like with Queen, as you mentioned, when people take photographs of John Deacon, who's retired from the public. It's like, guys, leave him alone. He can get fat. He can smoke a cigarette. He can do whatever he wants. He wrote another one bites the dust. Leave him alone. Yeah. Paul McCartney, I mean, come on. Like, oh, he tolerated being in a band with Denny Lane for 10 years. Oh, I'm not going to comment on that. Yes. I'm the only one that's allowed to say that, but <laughs> I, 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 I interviewed Denny. He was very lovely to me. This was at a time when I didn't have a lot of, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't as high profile as I am now. So he, he did, he was very nice at the end. He said, you asked some very good questions on. I was like, thanks Denny. Wow. Was that in person? Uh, we did it over the phone, but wow. he was really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it probably helped that I asked about I want I asked him about working with Ginger Baker and I asked about Moody Blues and I asked about writing with Donovan, and so it wasn't just you know going straight into Wings. Yeah. Yeah, and even and even when I asked about Wings, I asked I decided to ask him about about the songs he wrote. So like basically the London Town album. Yeah, which is a good album, I will say. Sure. Yeah. I think I yeah that that. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a finer album than Back to the Egg. What? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> to each his own. Now, I have to ask you a trivia question. This Go is my. It. What solo Beatles album has two convicted murderers on it? Oh God. I'm gonna guess all things must pass. Yep, Phil Spector and Jim Gordon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it's I love still it. a very good album, though. It is. It's yeah. bloody fun. Sure pun intended. I mean, yeah. I, I'm. I. I am glad George Harrison died before that. That he he heard that about Phil Spector. I mean, imagine how galling that might be. That must have been for your greatest work. Yeah, in collaboration with a with that creature. Yeah, he probably would have uh, reproduced the whole thing and put it out, but possibly. Um, I mean, yeah. it wasn't too much after he too long after he died. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, I think it was in two thousand and three, and George died in two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Um, now. Do you think that um, the voice of Harris, do you think Harrison, if, um, when do you think Harrison's voice really started to warm back up? Do you think it was with 33 and a third? No, I think there's, as I say, I mean, answers at the end on the extra texture might be the greatest vocal of his career. I, I, as you can, as you've read the book, you can see that I'm not a big fan of 33 and a third. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe to the general public, there it might have started with 33 and a third, but it, he definitely found his voice by the time he recorded the George Harrison album in 1979, because he was singing from a new place in life, and that was that of a father. 
Yes. And now we have to talk about 33 and a third because this is one of my favorite Harrison records, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Anything I said on 33 and a third, you can read in the book. Yep. (laughs) What is your favorite track for the public? This one. Oh wow! As in this, as as in this one, as in you know, this one, nothing but above it. Oh, my, fair enough. <laughs> what about "Beautiful Girl"? How do you feel about that song? It's nice. He wrote much nicer, uh, dark hair, dark, sweet lady, dark, dark sweet lady. Thank you, thank you. That is a much nicer ballad. Something's a much nicer ballad. Uh, he wrote much nicer ballads. Fish on the Sand is a much nicer ballad on the Cloud Nine album. You praised a song on Cloud Nine. We're making progress. I don't think it's. A, I don't think there's any Beatles solo Beatles album that's out and okay. Maybe Ringo had some dodgy ones, but yeah, uh, postcards from Paradise. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any awful solo beat. I, I used to think Wildlife is awful until until Danny Seinwell told me that was kind of the point of the album. We're trying to do. We're trying to present a band. So when I heard it like that, and and just and just, you just listen to it, it's it's a band warming up. I was like, okay, this is actually quite good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now I have to ask you, what for what did you think of the Peter Jackson documentary? I thought it was heaven on a plate. Good. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I waited two years for the Bond film. Yeah. And it was crushingly disappointing, and so 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 that might have tempered my expectations, saying, "Okay, okay, it won't. Uh, I don't think Get Back will be that great." And I, I enjoyed the first episode, but it was the second one where it starts off and Paul goes into that teary-eyed monologue. That 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 was the point which grabbed me, and it it, it just changed into something magical. The part that made me go "oh" was um, when he started singing "Backseat in My Car" on the piano. Yes, that's really nice. I mean, the first episode's fun, uh, but I but it it did I did I did notice myself looking at my watch throughout it. But the second one, from that moment with Paul admitting to the camera uh, that he he realizes John and George don't want to be in the band anymore, and it might just be him and Ringo, and he's he's welling up. That was the point from which you know I was I was hooked. Yeah, and now I do have to agree. Like when. Um, like I was reading like and with 33 and 30 you say for now Harrison had an album to complete that just was like oh my god that just made me laugh because you're just like you're so honest which I think makes your writing better thank you yeah yeah well I mean I mean it is I mean that's the thing with the Beatles is that they they are just people on a day-to-day basis they just need to get they just need to get through things like the rest of us we break up with someone we it can't affect our work yeah yeah we 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 have a bereavement in our personal life we can take a week or two and then we have to then we have to get back to the real world yeah how do you feel about the self-titled album do you think now i have to ask you about willie weeks because i feel like he is one of the most underrated bass play- bass players that played on a solo album yeah he's a very i mean clearly george really liked his bass playing i mean we have that infamous quote from 1974 um or oh, uh, that, uh, that he said um 
that Paul was too busy, but but he liked Willie Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And now, how do you feel about um, the uh, like I? And if there was one person that from all of these albums that you could interview, other than George, obviously, um, yeah. and like the big ones, who would you pick? That's a very good question. I'd love to interview Robin Ford. Or, or let me just get his name very quickly, because I don't want to get it mixed up. Okay. I mean, I, I write these names down so I don't have to remember them. <laughs> um, I sometimes forget my middle name. Uh, so it is... I would love to interview Tom Scott, who effectively co-produced the 33 album. That's and just good... see what George... Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, that's a good... That was a good pick. I didn't... Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's never just, talked just about... Well, just to see what it was like working with George during hepatitis and, you know, recovering from divorce and, and you know, in, you know, in, enjoying life with uh, Olivia, who's, who's, who, whom he married very shortly afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of interesting stuff. Now. Uh, Russ Tittleman is another one. Russ Tittleman produced yes. or I don't know how to say his surname. Titleman. Uh, who produced the George Harris Titleman, thank you. Yeah. For I'm, if Russ, if you're if you're hearing this, I had to ask Denny Sewell how to pronounce his surname. I thought it was Denny Sewell. <laughs> don't worry, I think I might be able to hook you up with him. So okay. yeah. I, I know a lot of people. It's kind of creepy, but I do. <laughs> You said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I don't think George released a bad album in the 70s. I think the 80s is where it starts to get a bit spotty. Yes. Now, what's the worst? Well, how do you feel about those first two albums? Uh, in the 80s? Yes. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that actually... The company improved somewhere in England. In England, I, I know that's an unpopular. Thank you. I know that's an unpopular thing to say. Oh, those that first track listing was utter garbage. I mean, yeah, I think that's the thing with the Beatles. I mean, that's what Ken Womack says about George Martin. Often, he was the one with quality control. He's the one who comes in and comes up with the track listing for the White Album. And, you know, he's the one who says, okay, we can have this track. We can have it followed by this track. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now, I have to ask you, will we be seeing a follow-up book from you? Oh, God. That's a, maybe in the future, but right now I need some breathing time. So um, I'll hedge my bets and say, in yes. the future. And. Are you working on any other Beatlesque writing projects? Uh, no, I'm, I write for Far Out Magazine, so I write there. And a lot of the time I write about the Beatles, especially Paul. I wrote a piece called Why Wings Were a Better Band Than the Beatles. Which I like. Oh, thank you. Which caused outrage across Twitter. 
because I kind of focused on Wings being a band in the way that the Beatles weren't, because the Beatles became a studio collective very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Which, and you've had your article shared by Yoko's people. Oh, did I? That's good. Yeah, one was posted on the Yoko Ono Facebook page. How did you not know that? Oh, I, I, yeah, that was back in January, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, so I think it was the piece I wrote on avant-garde albums, and I put and I put uh, Yoko Ono, Plastic Ono Band in there, and she very kindly shared it. Yes. I wonder if it's her actually sharing on her Facebook page. I don't know. Um, she added me on Facebook, so yeah. <laughs> I'm happy enough with this. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Owen, I want to thank you for your time. Now, thank you. I have to ask, what would you like to plug? Well, obviously, the, the, the George Harrison, the George Harrison. I'd love to plug the George Harrison book on the... Uh, the so it can be bought on, on Burning Shed, if you're in the UK. Burning Shed. Uh, a shed that's on fire. Burning Shed. <laughs> uh, you can probably get it in the US. I don't know about shipping charges, but there's... It can also be found on platforms like Amazon and, but um, but uh, Burning Shed is affiliated with Sonic Bond, so that's probably the place to go. Is there a way for people to get signed copies? I, if I knew how to do that, I would. Uh, no, I, I, I can't promise signed copies. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Now, what if they come to your house in Ireland and beg for you to sign them? Well, uh, I mean, I mean, as long as they don't expect travel fares, I, I, I won't be paying for the travel fees. Uh, if anyone meets me at any point and they want me to sign, I will gladly sign a copy. But I, I just can't. Don't think I can really send out signed copies. Uh, I might be at a beat. I who knows if I'm at a Beatlefest as a fan or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to do that. I. Yes. Is there any chance you will be making the trip to America next year to come to the Beatle Fest? Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, who? Uh, I need to keep an eye on what's happening in between Russia and Ukraine. We've also had a pandemic. Uh, I wouldn't say no to it. I think. I think. I. I a couple of years ago, I would have said no for political reasons because I despised the the man in orange hair. Oh, but, uh, the uh, orange but, menace. Yeah, I uh, hate yeah, him too. I, so, <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, so I mean, yeah, all right. Yeah, he he's, he go, he goes against all my personal life philosophies. I was gold here in Ireland ten years ago when Sean Gallagher, who's who's basically just a business impresario, he nearly became president of Ireland. But oh, luckily, geez. the much the much more acclaimed and much better suited Michael D. Higgins won out in the end. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone who doesn't have political experience sh should have the highest job in their country. Yeah, especially the Orange Menace. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'd apply that to Reagan as well. I don't know. I don't really know what experience he had. Uh, well, he was the governor of California. 
he was an actor <laughs> yeah good but and he had like alzheimer's throughout half of his presidency so maybe i don't know it, it, explain- wasn't my yeah. it explains a lot <laughs> perhaps uh yeah and yeah i mean and fair play to you and marv for for doing this show on george harrison i mean he really was the dark horse of the beatles he was during his lifetime he was probably arguably the least appreciated i would go as far to say oh i would agree thank you so much for coming that's all right i mean even ringo had was had had a wider fan base at one point yeah 